second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is your host Siddhartha Vaidyanathan and I'm joined today by two regulars and someone who has been on the podcast multiple times and we are glad to have him back. So welcome first of all to Prashant cricket fan from Chennai and uh, someone who also writes some wonderful pieces on his uh, blog. We also have uh, Mahesh here, uh, who's at Cornered on Twitter. We also have Ashoka, who's at ABVAN on Twitter. We are here today to uh, do a bit of a rewind. Uh, so what uh, we did before the last World Cup, actually, in 2019, we looked back at uh, a number of uh, editions of uh, 50-over World Cups past. We covered uh, World Cups from 1987 through to 2003. So, you know, 87, 92, 96, 99, and 2003. And um, it was a good series to sort of uh, jog your memory and also get different perspectives, understand where different people were, how they watched it, what they remember from it. And um, as is often the case with memory, I mean, uh, you tend to remember quite trivial, in so-called insignificant things, while you forget um, things that were perhaps far more momentous back when it happened. Uh, so here we are again before another 50-over World Cup. This time it's going to happen in India. So we thought we should um, continue to do at least a couple of more of these rewinds. And uh, what better World Cup to begin than with 2011, which was uh, also held in the subcontinent. Um, I mean, this time it's going to be exclusively India, but that was uh, there were matches in Sri Lanka and Bangladesh as well. And... Uh, the last time India won a World Cup and also a sort of a World Cup uh, that seems to be from another age, though it's just 12 years, so to speak. I mean, and in cricketing sense, that's not too much, but it seems to be, you know, the format has evolved so much. The rules have changed. The players have changed. The, you know, uh, T20 effect of T20 on ODIs is, uh, is quite stark. And so much has changed that uh, looking back at 2011, it seems like another age. Anyway, so um, let's get started uh, on your memories of that World Cup. I mean, you can talk about where you were and what you remember, what stage of life you were in. And also generally the big picture memories you have of uh, leading up to that tournament and your view of one day cricket back then, etc., etc. Uh, I can begin by saying that uh, I that was the first World Cup that I watched outside India. Because in 2007, I was still living in India, but I moved out of India in 2008. So I was uh, living in New York at that time, New York City. And uh, a lot of those games <laughs> seemed to be quite a blur for me because um, the first half would be when really early in the morning. So, you know, especially the day night games. So I would have to, I would end up waking up, but then I would be in a really sleepy state when I was watching the first half. But then by the time the second innings came around, I was uh, pretty much wide awake. And it was also, you know, the phase I was working then, but it was also the phase when between, say, 6 a.m. and 7.30 or 8 a.m., you can watch quite peacefully and then you get ready and go to work and then you watch the rest in your mobile or wherever I was watching it. So, yeah, I mean, that was uh, one thing about that. The other thing was that uh, I was also, at that time, I was also blogging quite often. I was also quite um, writing 
every few days and uh, also tweeting quite prolifically and you know so there was a lot of um engagement with that world cup so even if i hadn't watched every ball of the game i would try and catch up with it with highlights or with you know reading uh, match reports talking to people about it talking to people online about it and then um if i watched i would definitely try and write something about it so yeah it, i did uh, go back and read some of the pieces it was um, quite immature uh, no doubt but uh, also fun to see how i viewed the world cup back then and uh, for me i mean just to round it off it was a kind of a end of a journey you know like uh, i think many from many who had started watching cricket from the early sachin tendulkar days felt that way at that time at least so you'd gone through the 90s you'd gone through the 2000s and without without a world cup right like i had never watched the 1983 world cup i don't know what it meant to i i don't know what it meant to win a world cup with a 50 over world cup so for me it was like the culmination of a journey and it was like okay i mean now it's done finally tendulkar has a world cup india has a world cup you've seen it you've also seen it at a time when you're really clued into it so yeah i mean i don't think i mean india may win another world cup perhaps in a month perhaps in five four years who knows but i don't know if i will ever feel the intensity i felt after that 2011 world cup anyway so let me open it up for the rest mahesh maybe you can start yeah uh, i was in bombay at the time i was working there for three years in in, in a bank over there and uh, even in the bank my boss was a cricket big cricket fan in fact right now he's the ceo ceo of one of the banks in india he was a massive uh, cricket fan and i i remember spending those three years just pretty much watching cricket talking cricket like i had a massive i mean there was a time when i had a lot of friends on twitter and we used to meet each other in bombay so i watched pretty much all the matches in this world cup with a group of twitter friends and uh, and as you mentioned it was also the period where uh, where one i felt reasonably intensely about cricket particularly about indian cricket and and uh, to to great extent about odi cricket i think all those factors have come down over the years since then and and 2011 world cup like when i look back at it it's very difficult for me to make sense of it without without my sort of revisionist revisionist view of that world cup after what had happened right at that point of time sachin was just coming back right after everybody was had written him off he had that great series in south africa he was on the way back world cup in india after a long time and the previous world cup in india is one of my favorite world cups and a very similar format as well right like quarter finals semi finals finals not like the super six and stuff like that and also if i if i can see this it is probably the last world cup where even for indian fans indian team winning the world cup would have been seen as a surprise or a bonus it was not taken for granted right it was not like if india had not gone on to the finals or lost the finals it would have been uh, an utter disappointment it would have been like like the way we are reacting now in 2019 for instance uh and partly because it came on the back of 2007 right where the expectations were so low uh, so if i'm not wrong the ipl was also scheduled in a way which was following 3 days after the world cup final so uh, you know maybe at the time of planning for the world cup or at the time of planning for the ipl i don't think it's fair to argue that bcca wouldn't have thought that india would go on to win the final and all the players would be ready to turn up for the ipl 3 days later so i think the general ecosystem had a reasonably realistic expectations of what that indian team could do at that time which is why the the sort of win came as such a massive sort of boost for all of us 
and it was also the time when like you know just before that i think a year before that india had won the or whatever the the they had that maze for the best test team in the world right so it was a time when a lot of things were coming together india had a bowling attack personally for me sachin was kind of firing again and dhoni's team was winning test matches as well as odis and so on so that world cup was just the perfect peak of of that era of indian cricket and and it also like retrospectively proved to be a peak because after that we had uh, the ipl and after that the team was like injured they went to west indies and then they went to england and they went to australia and and you know after that the whole sort of deprioritizing of test cricket in some some ways and higher prioritizing of ipl all that happened probably alongside but kind of uh, at least personally for me when i look back at it became a lot more uh, forceful and intense after the world cup win so in many ways as happy as i was after the world cup when i look back at it i cannot recapture that emotion again i mean like for people who who probably saw the 83 world cup for instance you can't undo that emotion right you can't undo the sheer joy of india winning the world cup for the first time i had that similar intense feeling but i can't i can't sort of recollect that right now i cannot go back to that feeling right now interesting uh, prashant uh so i was actually lucky enough to watch a few games at the ground uh i saw england versus south africa which is a brilliant game it was uh, is a game that i have not forgotten even today i was also uh lucky enough to watch uh india west indies at the ground at at chepok which is again a, a a brilliant game but you know once india made it to the quarters uh we had this nice thing where the entire family would get together at my grandparents place and uh, we would watch the match so it worked for the quarters india won so we met again for the semis and then we met again for the final and a uh, few years later you know my grandmother passed away so it's a very precious uh, precious memory of the family getting together and enjoying a sport all of us together and she herself was actually a very passionate cricket fan so it uh, it was a very very special memory and 2011 brings back those memories and and uh, were you working then or were you what was your yeah yeah no like? no no so i i was working then i was uh, i was uh, running a a business the business that i continue to run even today so i was running around during the day but uh, obviously you know I, at that time i was far more invested in one day cricket than i am now if i can put it that way i mean the the format seemed to matter a lot more than than it does now uh and also i was much younger and so you know it it uh, <laughs> it seems like a long time back i mean uh, a lot of the things that you said i completely um you know i i i completely understand where you're coming from when you say that it feels like an age ago and when it feels like in some ways the end of a journey in in many ways so uh yeah it all of those things as well for me yeah that's i think uh, you know you generally tend to there are two world cups right that uh, sort of seem to burn most intensely one is the pretty much the first world cup that you watch as a conscious uh, you know cricket watching person which for me was the 92 world cup when i was like 11 years old i mean 87 i watched a few games but i can't really put a piece i didn't really know much of what i was watching right but 92 is like so vivid in my mind and i think it is for many people who watched that world cup also because it was the first world cup in colored clothing first world cup in day night games 
all that right and australia also and the also australia the type also the quality of the broadcast i think that was quality of the broadcast is mind boggling and australia time zones as well it sort of uh, you tend to remember a lot of uh, things that happen in australia simply because you it's the first thing you see when you wake up right and it's almost like like your parents would say what you study when you wake up first thing in the morning you will always remember yeah for me it was like what i saw in the tv first thing in the morning i always remember <laughs> unfortunately i disappointed them by watching tv rather than uh, taking my books but yeah so australia yeah you tend to remember those things quite vividly and then for me the next world cup was this because this was the world cup when i was like you know in my late 20s and you know you by that time you have like you're pretty much like uh, that's the last time you can really prioritize only cricket right because once you're at least uh, for privileged people like me who didn't have to worry about too many things when i was growing up uh in after your 20s you start need to start thinking about you know uh work and life and uh, everything else that comes into the adulting world but yeah i think 2011 was the last time when i could actually still devote quite a bit of time to cricket even though i was working even though i was even though uh, you know i had other things going on in life i could still fully immerse myself in that world cup anyway ashoka i was not in the country during the world cup and this was the only instance of something major happening in cricket which i was not in the country for so at that time i was in the us just like you and and it was a bizarre feeling to i mean it's a bizarre experience to watch cricket in the us uh, simply because you know in, in, in if you watch you don't have to go to the stadium if you watch cricket in india at home you know you'll hear the neighbors yelling when some wicket falls and india does well you'll hear you know crackers you'll have calls during the matches you'll have calls and friends call you and say macha what kind of shot that he hit and stuff like that like there is constant feedback and once social media came through you know it added to the noise and all that so i i'm always used to some kind of noise and some kind of reactions around when cricket happens in india at least when india is doing well or it's not doing well in the us though i mean it was like watching everything in in, in like stone cold silence first of all uh, the day matches when they happen in the us you are it's like you have to sit through the night and when day night matches happen you have to wake up really early and then you know uh, make up some stupid excuse to go to work late if you want to catch the match so this is they are already creating a lot of havoc on your sleep cycle and secondly i was a bachelor then so uh, i was in the you know uh, alcohol fueled uh, glory days of my 20 so i have i must have watched almost all matches completely you know completely drunk so as as opposed to your alcohol fueled 30s you were in your yes. alcohol fueled 20s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> okay but at least i used to i mean 30s i had the good sense of not mixing alcohol and cricket but 20s i ah. didn't have that have that good sense so everything progressively went you know crazy as the match went on and it was a very you know chaotic one and a half month that i followed so consequently 12 years from the world cup i don't remember much other than fighting other than celebrating with people i know the contents of what happened in the match but if you specifically ask me what happened then uh it's you know very bizarre i mean i can't explain 
anything concisely or clearly because of of this kind of a situation uh yeah and as you said a lot has happened since then i don't think a lot has happened and it doesn't feel like a different age it feels like a, another life to like uh, i don't relate to anything that i did back in 2011 because uh not just cricket i mean we have changed right like social media around us has changed the way we interact with people has changed everything has changed so even cricket let's come to cricket what has changed i mean we are seeing one icc event every year man like there was wtc followed by something else and then world t20 and then something else and then ipl and then something else so the the i mean the excitement for something like a world cup which used to come once in every 4 years is now every year there is an icc event like okay we missed this world t20 in 2022 no Let's but hit. So, sorry ashoka but actually that was the case even then no so you had 2007 you had the world cup then you had the world t20 then 2009 again you had a world t20 and then i think uh, there may have been actually one more world t20 also between yeah yeah i think the yeah. 2009 and 10 the gap was 10 months a- so exactly Who won? Yeah, who won in 2009? Was it Pakistan? England, 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 Pakistan. Pakistan, Pakistan won, Pakistan. and they were the defending champions for 10 months. Correct. You know? And then England so, won. And then England yeah. won. Yeah. So this this uh, this glut of ICC BS had started back then only. No, the, the point is the point is that even then, no T20 was not. See, see, if you miss the T20 World Cup, nothing. The worst you could say about it is okay, fine. CSK will win another trophy, or MI will win another trophy. <laughs> Who cares about? No, and people? and I think one thing about T20 though is that we primarily saw it. We we didn't see as much of it, even though uh, you know the World Cups were happening and IPL was happening. Still, I mean, compared to today, I mean, where you have leagues like every basically there are like five leagues going on at some point of time at some everywhere, like and. to an extent that suddenly one day cricket seems so you know ponderous and slow like i'm watching this asia cup and i'm like wait what this match is still going on only 30 overs are done what is going on like i'm like i can't i can't compute the, the rhythm of the one day game anymore and even though the one day game has actually like you know alarmingly changed like in 2011 it was still a time of uh, the middle over lull where you know yuvraj singh was coming and bowling 10 overs that uh, tendulkar was bowling you had all these part timers were coming and bowling and people were taking like four five runs and over off them nudging and pushing and tickling and all where i mean now you they'll get a power play in and they just hammer the heck out of these bowlers so anyway i'll i'll we'll come to uh, the the specific games and all that but one thing i wanted to you know particularly mentions uh, since we are bringing up the 2007 we brought up the 2007 um, World T20, as it was called then, is that uh, there was this book that came out a couple of years ago by written by um, Professor Ratna Krishetti, who was like the main um, BCCI, who was the sort of the head of the organizing committee for that 2011 World Cup, and there was a remarkable passage uh, in that which uh, sort of uh, completely brought so much, you know, into focus for me. and about india's attitude towards t20 cricket and the 2011 world cup and how as a counter history how things could have been so different so he mentioned how in 2006 basically they, the icc decided that you know uh, the subcontinent was bringing in a lot of uh, you know bringing in a chunk of money for the world cup so they decided that every third 50 over world cup will be in the subcontinent right so they awarded the 
2011 World Cup to the subcontinent. That time it was also Pakistan, even though Pakistan did not host any games eventually for various reasons, for the reasons of security. But um, he says how they awarded the, they decided that the World Cup will be uh, held in India in the subcontinent. But then the combined, the India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh uh, combined, they missed the deadline for the submission of the participating nations agreement for the tournament. So April 1st, 2006 was the deadline and they missed the deadline because uh, of uh, basically they had to guarantee an income tax exemption on the earnings from the ICC event because, uh, you know, that's usually how it works with ICC events and they couldn't uh, guarantee it by that time. So basically the ICC said, okay, then we'll tentatively award the uh, uh, tournament to Australia and New Zealand. I mean, it was still a time in history and in the ICC when such things could happen, when you could basically say, okay, if you don't meet the deadline, we will award it to Australia and New Zealand. I mean, such things will never happen now because India can delay till like the day before the tournament and nobody is going to shift the tournament out of India anyway. So that happened. And then the, uh, parallelly what was happening is that the ICC had announced the 2007 World T20, the first uh, uh, tournament in the T20, first world tournament in the T20 format. And at that time, India, to, as, uh, as uh, late as 2006, India was strongly opposed to T20 as a format to the extent that India was the one country that voted against uh, participating in that 2007 World T20. I mean, all the other countries said they will participate and India said they will not participate. So the ICC basically were in a spot, right? Like India not participating in the tournament is a big thing for a world tournament. And so they sort of made an agreement where they said that, okay, if India participates in the tournament, we will extend the deadline for this uh, 2011 um, participation nations agreement. And then you guys can basically come up with the uh, guarantee for the income tax free thing and we will let you have, have it happen. And then, okay, India decides to participate. India, of course, ends up winning that World T20, which then results in, I mean, the IPL was announced before that, but then which results in like quite a, which catalyzes the T20 explosion quite a bit. And then basically India also, in, uh, India and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka host the 2011 World Cup. So, I mean, it's fascinating how things could have just gone some other way. I mean, Australia, New Zealand could have got that tournament or India could not have taken part in the 2007 World Cup. So many things could have happened. It's amazing how small things like this, when you look back at it, seem to be so momentous. BCC was activist against T20 at that stage, right? They thought their 50 over TV rights were getting diluted. And Niranjan Shah at that time said, 2020, why not 10-10? Why not 5-5? Why not 1-1? You know, like, he made such a sarcastic remark saying this is not even like a cricket, you know. Sharad Pahar openly said that this could dilute our uh, our domestic revenues, you know, domestic uh, television rights revenues. Uh, yeah, in fact, I, mean, I like, called up, in fact, 2006 was the time I'd done a big profile of uh, Professor Shetty, actually, for, uh, uh, oh, maybe it was 2005. 2005, I'd done a big profile of Professor Shetty because he was the first appointed CEO of the Indian Cricket Board. And uh, a little later, I called him up and I asked him, you know, about this T20 and is India planning to have like a domestic T20 tournament? And his only response was, you know, the question that uh, everyone in the BCCI has is why? Why do we need one? And so I'm like, uh, well, I mean, isn't it like a quick and format and, you know, it's uh, good for spectators? They said, no, the 50 overs is just fine. And, you know, from there to where we were, like even like one year down the line, 
forget uh, all these years down the line 16 years down the line i'm saying even like one year down the line uh, t20 was the thing i mean by 2008 by the first ipl i mean the bcci was like uh, had realized what a big deal t20 was so um, that was a bit of counter history by the way you should all uh, read that book by professor ratnaka shetty i'll give a uh, link to that uh, it's called uh, on boat test trial and triumph my years in bcci and uh, it's really good i mean it uh, gives you a clear picture of the politics and the bureaucracy and how decisions are taken behind the scenes of course this keep in mind that all this is uh, you know back when uh, there was decision taken by consensus and uh, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, back and forth and give and take and all that now of course recently if you have read the sharda agra piece in caravan you will realize that uh, none of that applies to the bcci anymore and that uh, uh, jay shah is the is the one man show out there i will link that piece also anyway back to 2011 and uh, yeah we can we can talk about uh, specifically we can start talking about the uh, build up to that world cup i mean for me I remember actually even though I probably didn't watch much of it I quite clearly remember the little bits I watched from that uh, uh, series in South Africa that ODI series when India lost 3-2 but uh, it was quite uh, refreshing to see how they were playing and you know winning an ODI game in South Africa was quite uh, an achievement back then and uh, you know leave alone coming close to winning the series and India were very close to um, sort of uh, winning that series and uh, lost out just 3-2 so do you have any memories of the build up to that world cup and particular like the series or anything else um so the for me the uh india were actually quite impressive in the periods between the 2007 and 2011 world cup in the sense that they won a tri series in australia which was a big big deal uh 2008 i think that was or 2007 uh where um, Uh, early 2008 yeah. correct correct and uh, and then of course uh, the tendulkar then got that double hundred and then they went to south africa and like you said that was a very memorable series i particularly remember yusuf patan going absolutely berserk in one game uh, absolutely smashing the daylights out of yeah that was the final game that yeah. they lost but yeah, yeah. he went even nuts he scored like yeah. 100 in like no time yeah and uh, and you know so it it just felt like india were building up to something and that you know the world cup would be at home so they were starting as favorites even though they had an extremely forgettable 2007 world cup yeah i think i think that uh, yeah the sachin 200 happened uh, about i think a year or so earlier right or yeah. maybe yeah that, so definitely that was uh, and you also knew that the kind of pitches they would play in india it would they had the sort of batting for it i mean we, we were still i think i was still a little unsure if they had the bowling for it and obviously if you look at that bowling attack and you compare it to this bowling attack there is no comparison i mean this the current indian bowling attack when fully fit i mean is obviously like uh, probably uh, 50% better than that bowling attack but still you know with uh, zahir being in quite a purple patch in his career uh and munaf and shrishant who were good uh, odi bowlers on their day i mean they they weren't great but i think they were good bowlers on their day harbhajan was still not uh, harbhajan was still pretty good i mean he wasn't in the phase where he had uh, he was sort of uh, flattening out which happened a little later but um, yeah i think uh, overall it was a decent side 
I only remember the test man, uh, the series that you're mentioning. We won a test in Turkey, so that's the only thing. Because even then, uh, the ODIs and T20s were tacked on as this is not the part of the series that you're supposed to concentrate. You're supposed to concentrate on the tests, and once that series gets done, now it's just you know formality ka ODIs and formalities T20. So there were no, I mean, at, so that is true, then, except. Except and that is true. Except the only reason was because India were competing so well in the ODIs, and that is like even I mean back then it was unheard of, right? Like uh, you go to South Africa, you basically get hammered in both the tests and ODIs. But they drew the test and they competed in the ODIs to get it to three two, which could have been three two in India's favor with a few bits of uh, fortune. So that's why I remember that one. This might be a narrative in my head. Uh, I don't know, but uh, post that Yuvraj Kaif partnership in that NatWest final, I've always imagined India to be a good ODI side. But that might be just in my head, and I always thought that we had a chance in in any game in any condition. But even then, uh, what Prashant mentioned, no, that uh, that final in Australia, the Tri Series final. I think we win two finals. I think it's best of three finals. We win two finals. Sachin scores fifties or hundreds in in two finals. Praveen Kumar does well. So Rohit Sharma. Rohit Sharma. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that is the series when uh, Ian uh, Chappell so, Ian so, Chappell says that uh, this kid is going to be a big deal or something like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. Ian yeah, Chappell. Yeah. Ian Chappell channels Mahesh. And says yeah. this kid is going to be a big deal. No, but yeah. props, props to Mahesh for smuggling Rohit Sharma into a discussion about 2011 <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> Didn't even make the squad. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, hey, he's a I'm he's sure. a World Cup winner, man. By that time, uh, he was part of the 2007 uh, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, but no, he yeah, was yeah, part yeah. of. The- So world I think he was initially meant to be part. Of, I think uh, Monga writes about it, right in the piece that he was initially, yeah. initially meant to be part of the squad, but because they wanted variety in bowling, they had to accommodate the extra spinner at his cost. No, so so, so talking so, of that, uh, talking of the 2008 Commonwealth uh, series, right? Uh, I mean, that's an important sort of uh, couple of wins for India. So, for instance, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the the quarterfinals in 2011 a little later. But f- for instance, as bad as India's record in South Africa was, India Australia between you know our favorite memory of India Australia is that Sachin's uh, birthday hundred in uh, in Sharjah, right? Followed by the next match, he scores one forty one or something in Dhaka in the in the knockout uh, uh, ICC yeah. Champions Trophy as it's called ICC now. ICC Champions knockout yeah. as it was called then. Uh, I, I mean that was just like I think he scores one hundred and fourteen takes four wickets or something. It was, it was probably most all round perfect. Sort of ODI match ever for Sachin. So this is our peak memory of India-Australia rivalry of that time, right? After that, Australia hammered India for so long. It was just like I think the record was like twenty-eight eight or something like that. Australia hammered India everywhere in Asia, outside Asia, uh, in India, everywhere. Even in the two thousand one, they won the one-day series, right, three-two. So for for me, that was a big turnaround. That the fact that India went to Australia and beat them in finals. And how many teams had beaten them in the in those uh, finals? And I think Pakistan won once, right? Like against uh, no. In fact, Australia doesn't even make it to the finals. I think Pakistan played West Indies and Pakistan then. Uh, yeah. I can't. Was it South Africa? Maybe once. And then maybe South Africa. New- South Africa yeah, won South one Af- final, but they lose two yeah. one in the best of three finals. So it was so rare for Australia to lose even a match in the best of three finals and to lose two matches. 
I think that gave me a lot of confidence that India can defeat Australia coming into this World Cup as well. Uh, but that's the match I was most. Anyway, I will we'll get get to that later when we talk about the quarterfinals. As I was saying, this was a period when you thought that India could beat anybody anywhere. That, that that's, I mean, um, and we were forming quite a good you know unit, which. Uh, that's the problem right now, right? We have right now that there is no batsman who could do a little bit of spin. We had a lot of options and uh, uh, like Raina could bowl, Yuvraj could bowl, Sachin Seva could bowl. So, uh, this is outside of your standard set of bowlers. And in the bowlers, Harbhajan could bat. He could hit a few sixes if required. So, we had sufficient... Uh, bowling and batting depth so we did look like and probably these guys all had like 5-6 years of I don't know about Raina but at least Yuvraj Singh and Harbhajan and Zaheer all of them had like 5 at least 5-6 years of international experience so they were not youngsters coming into this team so this was kind of a well settled unit even Dhoni had like 4-5 years from I mean 4 years yeah I'm five. Looking at the uh, first match, right, India-Bangladesh, the first match that they played in Mirpur, the first match of the World Cup. And uh, the lineup is like Sevak, Tendulkar, Gambhir, Kohli, who was a youngster then, but still like quite, you know, still like not like completely raw. And uh, then you had Yusuf Pathan, who was in the middle order, who, you know, played now and then. Uh, I mean, I think him and Raina, Raina then came in after that. Then Yuvraj Singh, Dhoni, Harbhajan, Zaheer, Srishant and Munaf. I mean, all of them had been around for a while. So, if you take out Yusuf Patan, who didn't even play uh, that much in, through the, after Raina came in, it was a really experienced side. I, I don't, I, I will never forget that first match, man. It did, does, uh, does Sevag and Kohli hit 100 yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I will, 175, in fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will never forget that match because at that point in time, we were still playing this fantasy cricket among friends. I choose Sachin and Gambhir for that match. Everyone else chooses Sevag and uh, Kohli. <laughs> I, I, I thought I'll go different and I choose Sachin and Gambhir. So, my fantasy cricket ended very early in, in 2011. Like, in the first match only, I was dead and buried with no hope of comeback. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing about this, that match, right? Like, I mean, just talking about the bowling, Srishant bowls five overs and he gets hit for like 53 runs in five overs. So, he goes for 10 and over. But India have the luxury of Yuvraj Singh bowling seven overs and Yusuf Patan bowling eight overs to make up for that. So, not only do they not have a fifth bowler, but they have two, the fifth and sixth bowler bowling 15 overs. And yeah. that is... Remarkable, uh, like back then, but now thinking of it now, like I don't which team will have uh, two bowlers like that bowling 15 overs. I mean, they'll probably get hammered for like Henrik Klassen will come and hit them for 200 runs in 15 overs or something. No, no, but that's, that's what we discussed in the last podcast, right? Like I was looking at the semi final scorecard, India used five bowlers, all of them to bowl 10 overs, including Yuraj Singh. I mean, a bowler like Yuraj Singh wouldn't be allowed to bowl 10 overs right now. I mean, it's just a function of change of conditions. Change of conditions and change of, uh, you know, also I think change of hitting sort of uh, capabilities. Like uh, the the teams are packed with people who are like able to just tee off, man. I mean, I don't think we had uh, 
such no that's a that's a factor but that's ability. a much lesser factor than having four fielders in the uh, outside the circle I mean, or even that, or even two balls no when it gets softer and grips better yeah, yeah, yeah. the finger spinner comes into the game much more i read this book by paddy upton the barefoot coach it's quite an interesting book um so there he talks about how um the team was sort of conditioned to talk about not if we make the final it is when we play the final on april 2nd like that's how they would even in their discussions uh, even before the tournament that was the reinforcement and that was the message going around and if you read that book you realize that there was definitely a sense of belief within the team that they had it to go all the way now uh it is it it is another thing that you know he's written the book after they won and you know he's got the comfort of hindsight and so he's able to write all this um and you know similar book may have been uh, written after 2007 but for obvious reasons no one would have written such a book back then but uh, it 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 is it just gives you an interesting uh, uh window into the way the team was thinking before the before and during the tournament See, let's talk about the but the curve of the expectation right like india go to bangladesh the first game they hammer them that's fine and then they come to bangalore for their second game and then that is that famous tie in bangalore where teams score like some 330 uh, india scores 330 something and then they tie england ended up end up tying the game and then they beat ireland which you would expect india to beat ireland in these conditions and then they lose to south africa so at the point at which the day after the south africa loss you've basically what you've beaten bangladesh and ireland you've tied with england and back then by the way let's put it make it very clear england were like no a bad one day side i mean they 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 no way no way close to the england that we know post 2015 i mean england in one day years were like uh, i mean they even lo- they lost to ireland in that world cup you know which uh, if, you if today if today an andrew strauss like batsman makes 150 against <laughs> your team or let's say 150 against an indian team yeah. they will demand the entire indian team to be locked up in jail for 6 months man this is like a criminal <laughs> thing to i mean david david malan can play an andrew strauss type innings okay no no david <laughs> malan is a far better odi and t20 batsman than andrew strauss andrew strauss is Come an excellent on. test he, cricketer he he just won ashes in in australia So Anna, he can he's do a good he test cricketer he can he's a good test cricketer i know but england didn't care about odi at that time so they're like okay do whatever yeah so so coming to the indian point right like and and they lost to south africa after making a pretty big total like two late 200 total like 280 something or something so at that point of time you're like oh okay so this is how good the indian team is they're like they can beat the Bang- they can beat bangladesh they can beat ireland but when it comes to south africa and england they are they are not going to necessarily that, get that south like, africa so. loss is and, also and guess, south and guess africa what? is a nostalgic loss man it's yeah, a, yeah, it's exactly. a nostalgic guess loss guess what who scored hundreds in both those matches <laughs> yeah that's a loss yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when he scores india never wins yeah he doesn't score when it matters come on <laughs> you, you go you go, you're having it reverse oh he doesn't score when it matters ah huh? okay okay so but yeah what what about the south africa loss by the way ashoka continue the, it was such a nostalgic loss man we were like 200 for 2 or 1 or something like that like crazy we thought i, I thought it will hit at least 340 something because this guy was batting so well and then dale stain turns up and then he just rolls everybody over to a crazy match that was 
in fact i think there were some 260 or something after 40 overs and then they basically the the rest of the team just melted they, they scored like some 30 runs in the last 10 overs and uh, finally i mean yeah i'm looking at the scorecard yusuf patan fell Stain. in the 41st over when it was 268 for ah. three it became 268 for four <laughs> and then in the last 10 overs they score like some less than 30 runs yeah yeah i'm telling you from memory no stay <laughs> only how much wickets he took four or five 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 yeah Five, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Isn't it South Africa's job to choke in World Cups? How can they do? No, actually, they did. No, no, they did joking. choke in the quarterfinal. They they yeah. choke in they, the knockouts. So yeah, yeah, I think this was Ashish Nehra's. Uh, Ashish Nehra got so trolled so badly at the end of this uh, match because uh, this Robin he bowled the uh, pretty much uh, in the last over when Robin Peterson gets that nick. Then Robin Peterson hits him, and everybody is like, "Just throw this Ashish." Nehra. I mean, Ashish Nehra also was like a very troll-worthy kind of bowler, right? Back then, I mean, it was like the Ishan Sharma, Ravindra Jadeja time when all these guys would basically end up bowling the last over. They would end up bowling the over that you thought lost the match, and so then they would get hammered on Twitter and everywhere else. Like, who is this? Just throw this guy. He should never play again and all. And then he plays in the semi-final, and he actually does well. South Africa actually choked before this match also. With England, they choked. England no, made 171 all out. Sir, These guys got out sir, 165. Sir, sorry, Ashoka. I I will take an exception to that. Okay. So I was watching that game, and uh, okay. So you can say that. that that is one way of saying that yeah they choked or whatever but england were brilliant on the field they were brilliant tactically and what start, i mean i could sense it somewhere around the 30th over uh, south africa cruising they need like 50 odd runs to win uh, and uh, i think uh, ab uh, ab is batting well uh, at that time and uh, Stross brings on uh, Anderson and Swan. Before that, it was Bresnan and Yardley who were Yardy who were bowling. He brings in Anderson and Swan, his two best bowlers, because it's like the last roll of the die. And uh, I'm watching this game somewhere from sort of deep extra cover, so I can't really see if it's reversing or not. But clearly, something is happening uh, because AB de Villiers is not timing it at all. Uh, he's barely. is barely picking it and anderson's bowling really well anderson gets ab and the game is cracked open because the 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 batsman who comes in is is struggling to find his touch swan is bowling brilliantly well um and this is not the chepak where saidan was scores 194 right this is a very different surface the like ball is not coming on to the bat you can't hit through the line so fast this is the starts, ipl chepak uh, this IPL is the yeah, uh, correct correct <laughs> this is anbuden okay so uh, <laughs> um so faf is trying to take singles or whatever he takes one risk too many he gets out and then uh, strauss has to kind of balance because he knows that they don't have that many runs to defend but at the same time he can't afford to bowl out anderson and um, his his main bowlers too early swan has already bowled out he's got only an over left from yardy so he brings on peterson and peterson bowls 5 6 very tight overs and uh, then broad comes and then broad and anderson are bowling and they are attacking the stumps so we have, i'm pretty clear at this point that obviously there is some reverse and the ball is not coming on to the bat and what we saw was actually a masterful defense of 50 runs with where your best bowlers have got 
you know they don't you, it's not a test match you can't bowl them endlessly it was uh, it was actually superbly done and i think they deserve the win to say that it's a choke i think is to deprive england of a lot of credit that was actually due to them that day they were magnificent it's equally true of new zealand as well absolutely so on this on this podcast when we are saying choking it's, it's really as a joke yeah yeah, yeah sure sure choking yeah. is equal to joking yeah and yeah, yeah. but uh, the, the 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 funny thing that struck me later was if not for that win i think bangladesh was going to the quarter finals uh i think bangladesh beat england uh in bangladesh that yeah, another remember. close game another close game yeah yeah But and you, if not for this win i think uh, england would have been stuck at 5 points bangladesh had 6 points so they would have gone through no but you know the interesting the the interesting thing in this tournament was no that this was actually a sort of trend so you had this game going this way where a team looks like they've got it covered for 25 overs and then maybe the ball's getting old maybe the ball starts reversing i don't know but they they lose the plot or they appear to lose the plot so it happened in this game it happened in the quarter finals for south africa against uh, uh new zealand yeah. it 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 also happened in the england west indies game where west indies looked like they had it covered you know they had to get some 20 odd runs in 10 overs they had four five wickets in hand they lose the game um uh, and then uh india west indies also you know west indies looked like they have it covered uh after 25 overs and then the ball starts doing stuff it doesn't come on to the bat it's not easy to force the pace they lose the game and then most famously the semi final game also pakistan have to get like some 120 runs in 20 overs like i cannot imagine they have misbah and umar akmal at the crease they have to get 120 in the last 20 and they fall short and they fall well short so this seems to be a trend in this tournament and i think it was a brilliant aspect of, i i don't think we'll ever see that again because in large part we are now bowling with two balls so by the time a ball is 25 overs old the game is over uh, but this 25 over ball was playing tricks in this tournament and it made for really exciting chases particularly on wickets that were not good to bat on and look at this world cup for england man they have had a far more eventful world cup than anybody would have I mean I'm just realizing it now they have a close match against India they have a close match against South Africa then against West Indies they lose a close match to Bangladesh pretty much they have been surviving lose a close know. match to Ireland yeah no they were the most losing team of the world cup i remember sambit yeah. bal writing the review about this and he he was saying england have been the team of the world cup for providing so many entertaining matches <laughs> no but talking about uh, that game i mean england ireland we have to touch upon that uh, game and that innings by uh, o'brien right kevin, kevin o'brien and that oh irish, god, irish chase my god that was quite an electric uh, uh, game and uh, the i mean came uh, i mean of course ireland was still a good team but to see the way that he was hitting and the way they were chasing it was brilliant to watch and also i mean yeah. it, it you you got the feeling that nothing was safe at uh, chinnasamy no like no score is safe at chinnasamy like you can like anybody can chase anything there yeah even rcb is not safe at chinnasamy that is the problem <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean even particularly rcb <laughs> yeah yeah chinnasamy and the thing with chinnasamy is it's probably one of the smallest uh, you know Uh, Indian stadiums. I'm not talking about the you know really. That's why it's called Chinnaswamy. We have in some cities. <laughs> Chinnaswamy. Yeah, correct. Chinnaswamy. 
and like come on man like by, that was pretty much the time when you realize i mean of course mccallum had done it in the first ipl but even in that world cup i mean kevin o'brien's basically just like following through right and it's just going for six that's it i mean he's essentially what uh, in mo- most grounds would be like a chip to uh, long off or mid wicket was like clearing this ground easily the reason why it was also i mean it's like the counterpoint to what prashant was saying right so prashant was saying how many times in the second half of games the bowling teams could come back strongly because of reverse or because the ball was uh, not coming on to the bat or because of different reasons this was the opposite where england scored 327 and then uh, ireland are basically i'm looking at the scorecard 111 for 5 in 24 overs so the match is pretty much done by then for all practical purposes and then kevin o'brien has these this uh, makes this 113 of 63 balls man i mean that's like you know suddenly you have a team making batting look easy and just smashing things all over the place so that was also a interesting thing in that world cup like you had both the you had games swinging in both directions and that's true of the india england game as well and that also happened at chen swami right like the fact that you had a massive score and a tie uh, was yeah so chen swami has been having this reputation for a while it's just that it took a virat kohli to come and establish this in the mainstream consciousness <laughs> <laughs> chen swami being a small ground and all this is fine but england got a big score and and they were like 100 and sort of 5 for 5 or something like that to come back from there and then he was just connecting everything that day oh my goodness such Yeah, that was his greatest day. He, yeah. I don't think he will ever connect like this on any other day. Like he, he, anything he touched was going. <laughs> And also, the most entertaining part of the England, uh, you know, sort of 2011 world journey was not all the exciting matches that they had in the round robin. It is the fact that the quarter final was a replica of the 96 quarter final, right? Sri Lanka comes Lanka. and hammers them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, it was like a replay of the of the '96 uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah. And and you know that established two things. Right. One, of course, how strong Sri Lanka was at that time, uh, at home particularly, and uh, how sort of outdated England's ODI team was. But guess what? Owen Morgan was playing at that time. Who who became like the poster boy of the the New England was actually part of that team, which looks uh, which looked reasonably out of depth. Uh, in that modern ODI sort of format, yeah. Sri Lanka won that game uh, in the one that quarterfinal for no loss or something, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah. match them. An absolute like absolute hammering of yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm looking at the scorecard. Both Taranga and Dilshan scored hundreds. And they chased two thirty one for no loss. Yeah. No, Taranga had a good World Cup. Dilshan had a good World Cup. If I'm not wrong, Dilshan was a top scorer for the World Cup. I yeah, think even Sachin. Dilshan was a top scorer. Dilshan yeah. was a top scorer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that Sri Lanka team for that uh, World Cup, right? I mean, and like Taranga, Dilshan, Sangakara, Mahela, Tilan played that World Cup. Uh, Chamara Silva, Angelo Matthews, Lasith Malinga, Herath, Mendis, and Murli. I mean, for those conditions, like a mega good team man yeah, i mean yeah. for sri, especially the they were playing on those slow low pitches in sri lanka where you know they could defend even 220 easily i mean because they would just bring on their spinners in the end and you know do the job what ended from beginning only spin man like yeah, <laughs> beginning beginning murli dharan ajanta <laughs> mendis that's 30 overs you gone you're done okay yeah. that is one context in which show can be meritoriously used 
No, but we should. Uh, I mean, see, the thing is, I have very little memory of that other group uh, games. Okay, I don't know whether it was because of uh, the coverage or uh, whether I didn't get some of the games uh, or whatever reason. I have very, very little memory of the games in uh, that in that Sri Lanka Pakistan group. Do you guys? Uh, is it similar for you, or do you remember it quite clearly? Actually, unlike the '96 one, which which was true, like that that that. Uh, sort of two tier viewing of the group world cup was, yeah group yeah. b was very i mean i had very little memory of that or very little memory of watching that but in this one i feel like i watched all the matches to be honest i don't feel like i was cut off from the other group uh group b i mean i don't remember which group i think it might have been group a that sri lanka group had this uh, uh, australia against pakistan match which would have yeah. which was quite uh, phenomenal because it was the first time australia had lost a world cup game since I think 2003 or something. I mean, like they had never, they never, they didn't lose a single game in 2003. They didn't lose a single game in 2007. So since 99. 99 against Pakistan was probably the last time they lost a match. Yeah. Uh, And so 2011 against Pakistan again was like, that was a momentous occasion because Australia losing a World Cup match is something many people hadn't seen for like forever. So, but I didn't see that game and I don't really remember much. Do you, do you guys, did you watch that game? I didn't watch that game, but uh, as always, 2011, I don't know if it was during or before, there was a lot of drama around Shoaib Akhtar. Uh, you know, whether he's fit, whether he's not fit, whether he's going to make the side, whether he's not going to make the side. Uh, there's a lot of drama there. He, uh, I don't think he played finally but uh, yeah I, I i i didn't watch the the australia game i i caught a little bit of that chase when uh, i remember right umar akmal was batting that's that's all i remember from that game umar akmal and yeah. Shafiq, that, that partnership i caught a little bit even then it was dicey dude like the pakistan lost a lot of wickets up front so I yeah i think uh, I, 170 176 australia scores 176 and uh, Pakistan are 178 for six, which, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Umar Akmal was one of the stars back then, right? And he was, there was, it was promised that he would be like the next great Pakistani batsman and all that. So, yeah, yeah he, he, I think, Asad I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, they lose like three, four wickets very quickly, if I remember. I, I don't have the scorecards in front. So, I, that's all I remember. And, and these guys were in a partnership and I thought this is not going to happen because during those days, um, I mean, if Australia get in, uh, I mean, if they are in a position of command, they are not going to let go. So I thought this match is over. After that, I came to know these guys won. So, yeah, that was a surprise. I'm looking at the yeah, scorecard, I mean, it's blank for me. I don't remember any of it. I just told you earlier that, oh, no, no, it was not like that. I remember the other group matches. But now this is, <laughs> this is, this is blank. I mean, it's partly no, because and, I don't know. Even more, uh, it's even more uh, uh, this thing, right? I mean, Australia losing the first World Cup match in two and a half World Cups should be yeah, something I mean, yeah, that's like, could be, should uh, be no, momentous it should thing. be remembered by, should be momentous. But, no, but, I, but in all I, fairness, I, if you no, have not lost a, world, a match in World Cup for two and a half World Cups, and you have Jason Craze bowling ten overs, <laughs> you deserve to lose. <laughs> no, and and also I think even though it's a different format, they had just come off a home Ashes loss. Okay, which is which is 
which was even rarer you know it, it's a different format but yeah it was just a few months before this tournament i think they lost to england yeah, yeah. yeah. so <laughs> i think the sheen was well and truly off australia the the match that i was most i mean i i almost thought india will most certainly lose is that quarter final match because we had when is the last time india beat australia in a world cup right i mean do you even remember i mean 92 was also they didn't right but probably 87 they beat them in a match but you know for my generation of cricket watchers we had never seen india beat australia in a world cup game and so to go into that quarter final india was australia I was almost certain that okay this is another loss against australia that's going to happen and then when ponting hits a 100 i i was like okay done we are done good world cup nice we play let's we concentrate on other things i was now. so nervous on the eve of the match i didn't sleep that night i distinctly remember this this is probably one uh, memory that will never go off me for the about the 2011 world cup i didn't sleep i was so no- i don't know why i was so nervous like it's not like i was going to play the match but i was so nervous i didn't sleep through the night and to me winning that match felt like winning the world cup for me a- anything else from then on was a bonus in two ways right like like that gave you confidence that if this indian team can defeat the aussie team they can win the world cup that's one way the other way is like i mean they beat in australia that's enough for me i don't care what they do from here on i think that ponting knock for me was uh, a really interesting one because he, it was not at all his most fluent you know he was not in great form uh, but i think he uh, uh, he somehow kept it together and you know there was he he was not even in good form coming into the tournament you know there were people who were criticizing him in australia criticizing his form in australia criticizing the lack of runs so it was a really uh, defined 100 from him and uh, and also you know just a just you know before this he had had a tough couple of seasons you know where kimar roach had uh, hit him and people were saying that you know his reflexes are his eyesight is whatever failing his reflexes are failing he's getting old etc etc so um i i had a lot of lot of respect for that uh, innings i mean i remember feeling um feeling a lot of admiration when i saw him get the 100 even though it's ponting <laughs> my my surprise was suresh raina i mean the in at the end when he hit that six no i was like what the mistake <laughs> and bad this will and against australia Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I mean, Suresh Raina, we don't give much credit, man. I mean, quarterfinals and semi-finals, he bailed us out. Yeah, yeah. But actually, the, yeah. in in this tournament, no, Tendulkar's fifty in this match is actually my favorite Tendulkar knock. Even though he got a hundred against England, and even though he got hundred against South Africa, in in this match, he was against uh, Tate and Lee and Johnson. It was like really raw pace, and it was so exciting to watch. I think he he only got fifty three, but uh, for some reason, I remember it. as my favorite innings of the world cup once again gautam gambhir you have forgotten he will take offense <laughs> no no you'll only take offense if you forgot him uh, for dhoni not for sachin it's a team victory individual <laughs> performances don't count <laughs> no and and i think there is a reason why like just like we hold this victory so dearly i think there's a reason why the players also hold it dearly like everybody who has uh, many of them have spoken about it right like yuvraj singh writes about it in his uh, book uh, uh, tendulkar himself has uh, spoken about it number of times uh, kohli raina everyone is because none of those players had ever be, been part of a side that beat australia in a world cup and True. i think 
that that is the aura that australia had in world cups i mean irrespective of conditions or where they were playing or what team as you said jason kreja was bowling for them in um, some games in that world cup i mean you would think it was not like a great australian side by any stretch i mean i think sean tate was uh, playing for them in that world cup and you know they they were not like it was not like megra and shenwon kind of australian team but even then the very fact that you had australia lose a world cup match was a big deal for and and yeah. even yeah. when raina and yuvraj was batting i was i was not sure i mean i mean i'm saying even when they were getting close i was still thinking that oh okay the collapse could happen any time i mean it's just a matter of a michel jordan when in any any bowler right he could just get two wickets and that's it you're through the tail so so the lesson here is that if history teaches anything if you want to beat a strong team get players from csk <laughs> Oh I thought you were saying uh, the lesson here is if you want to beat a strong team in a world cup play in Ahmedabad I thought that is your lesson <laughs> <laughs> which which of course uh, the BCCI in, in the current climate have, both are very yeah. popular lessons exactly and now india pakistan in uh, ahmedabad and the final in ahmedabad so bcci has basically taken that uh, lesson to heart now we opened so, with ashwin man bowling this who match. was a, who was a csk player back then Yeah, and that, that was seen that, as a master stroke by the way yeah. the thala master stroke yeah no, no master stroke is more about ahmedabad than thala <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. you are in the land of master stroker everybody can master stroke <laughs> no i i think when when we are talking about this world cup we also have to you know uh, forward a bit and for me it's like there was this match happened this quarter final happened and there was world cup happened and everything but then you know the moment you begin to hear about uh, yuvraj singh and what he was going through in this world cup i mean your sort of uh, the revisionist kind of thoughts you have around these games are so different right like number one first of all number one it's like poor guy i mean this guy was like actually bleed, uh, throwing up blood and he was playing and he was like on the he refused to you know even uh, get a check up because he wanted to play that's one level of admiration but another level there's also like what the hell like guy could have killed himself man i mean yeah, yeah. this is like this is like deep levels of uh, danger and uh, you know irresponsibility at some yeah. you know i mean you're like what is happening here yeah I mean he got a he got a 100 against West Indies at Chepauk and he was I mean as at the ground he was throwing up I mean he threw up at least twice um, Yeah and we just we didn't know we just thought it's you know it's, it's Chepauk you know it's it's hot it's sweaty it's whatever dehydration It's Dean Jones it's Dean Jones territory Yeah Dean Jones territory <laughs> And uh, yeah I mean without without that century I think India may have even lost that game um but yeah we, we we had no idea it's only when you read about it later and you read about what he went through and and even he didn't know i mean there there were people in the team who thought it's anxiety you know that anxiety is manifesting in this in all these different ways in you know the vomiting and the nausea and all that no but i think that west indies game he writes about it in the book that west indies game was a clear red flag because he was throwing up blood so much blood and uh, you know he he had an option to actually you know check it out or not and he felt that he 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 felt the world cup was too dear to him to actually even risk missing out no, so sir. that I mean, game that game only comes back and bowls that is like mind blowing yeah. i mean to to back that long and to score those runs and to take that much out of your system and then come back and bowl 
given what we know now it is herculean he was bowling uh, 10 overs uh, i mean he was bowling almost 10 overs through almost every game if not at least 5 he was uh, batting in the middle over and he was fielding he was uh, one of the you know best fielders uh, india had so just absolutely mind boggling that he he went through that he thrived and then he survived without you know i mean of course he there was a diagnosis but then he not only battled it he came out of it and then after that he even played again i mean not uh, he played again he got 150 i think he yeah yeah. yeah 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 he did he did he did play so yeah i mean and of course he played that 2014 world t20 right where he got panned for that innings but still he played and uh, you know so that was that um yeah i mean uh, any other thoughts of the quarter finals i mean india australia was one but then there were three other quarter finals we spoke about england sri lanka new zealand went and beat south africa in, the, in that quarter final and then there was uh, are we uh, are we not supposed past. to say the word here <laughs> <laughs> i think we have said it multiple times so it's fine you can say uh, yeah. <laughs> which is why prashant yeah. uh, applied the anticipatory bell well in advance that this is a pattern in the world cup if, <laughs> I am I am saying okay, there is a, there is a c word. c word that you can use and that c word is cricket <laughs> No I am saying Take it's a, a curse dude it's a it's a curse dude I mean that's the c word I would like to use because Jacob Jacob, Jacob told South Africa Orampo <laughs> Orampo okay No but going into that quarter final no I thought South Africa were looking really good you know because they had lost only one game and that was the game against England which I saw and uh they had beaten india they had they were looking really really good you know and uh, it was kind of shocking that and if you look at the scorecards right they are so similar you know they got 165 all out against england from a position of strength they got i think 180 or something against uh, new zealand chasing 220 again from a similar position of strength i mean the the pattern of the two innings is so similar um faf batted longer in the quarter final but otherwise they it's almost the same innings that they played twice it's it's that crazy <laughs> also i'm looking at that uh, scorecard right like you have i'm just looking at the south african team like after so basically like you have amla smith callis devilliers uh, jp dumini and faf okay that's like a really good top 6 yeah. but after that you have botha peterson stain morkel and tahir and basically it's like it just drops off like the batting quality just drops off again something that we wouldn't see now like you would you would still have at 7 and 8 you would still have people who are like good uh, odi uh, batters yeah, i mean bats, of yeah. course people who can bowl but decent bats but this is like a steep drop from a really good top 6 to almost a, i mean both on peterson they're okay they can They, both are a decent bat i think yeah. but nothing nothing no great uh, shakes for a number 7 in an odi i mean now a number 7 in an odi needs to be what man needs to be jadeja level or needs to be england england probably play moin ali at 7 or ben stokes sometimes comes in at 7 who knows i mean that's the level you're talking about so also i think this was the game i i don't know if this was the game but uh, 
this is the game where I think the, the the New Zealand 12th man was sledging South Africa. I mean, for all the nice guy stuff, you know, the, the guy who's bringing on drinks is trash talking them and going yeah, yeah, off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the game. I'm I'm glad we have brought both the choke and the nice guy uh, yeah, yeah. cliches correct, correct. into this now. <laughs> correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect. No, no, we, yeah. the one word we haven't mentioned, choke and correspondingly, the pressure. It was a high pressure match. It was a right. knockout match. Yeah, yeah, knockout, knockout. High of, course, of course, they also lost to England, which was not a knockout match, but I mean, come on. <laughs> we want a story. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah if anybody choked, I think it is West Indies too. I think it's West Indies that choked. 113 all out in a quarterfinals, they had no hope. Afridi ran through. So, which brings us to uh, a match uh, with, to the semi-final. Uh, and uh, it's strange that that is probably the last, I mean, it's probably the last World Cup where India and Pakistan didn't play in the group stage, right? Because uh, 2007, they didn't play. Both went out early. 2011, they didn't play. But then 2000, uh, ever since 15, 19, now they, they will play in the first round. And that even in the T20 World Cup and all, they've changed it, right? So they are always in the same group. Yeah, but this is the last time when India and Pakistan were in different groups, but ended up meeting in the semi-final. And uh, that was quite a comedy of a match, actually. I mean, first of all, Pakistan went and dropped so many catches. Then that uh, Ajmal LBW yeah, became like the greatest, uh, uh, like the worst decision in the history of uh, decisions. And then Tendulkar itself, I mean, that was a hard, that was probably one of his most scratchy uh, innings in the World Cup that I remember him playing. And then that chase, as Prashant said, 120 in 20 overs. And then that was probably the start of Misbah Tuk Tuk uh, nickname, you know, that uh, the fact that he was uh, playing so slowly in that uh, semi final that Tuk Tuk took off after that. So, a really, really strange game. And also the game when Ashwin was. Uh, left out for Nera. So, one of the early Ashwin uh, disses that the Indian team, Justice for Indian team made. Justice for Ashwin. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a really weird game. Unmemorable in many ways. And uh, I would say, if you look at the India-Pakistan World Cup games over the years, I would say that's probably like, I mean, semi-final, no doubt, but uh, quite uh, weird as a match itself. So, no, I mean, that was also one of the earlier matches for Wahabrias. He was not a well-known entity then. And he comes and picks like, he, he actually limits India to 260-something. We were looking good for another at least 15-20 runs. I think Wahab finishes off, uh, I mean, uh, he takes out the middle order. And as you said, Sachin, they drop Sachin... And then there was like few LBW calls, not only of Ajmal. I think even Afridi has a couple of close LBW shouts against Sachin. Uh, I, it was a very lucky, not just a lucky innings. It was like a bizarre innings. Like where he, he's, I don't know what he's doing. He made up. He made up for twenty years of bad luck with that one innings. Okay, it was that kind <laughs> of luck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and not only the Ajmal yeah. LBW, there was also a stumping. Yeah, he yeah. really got stumped a little after that also. Yeah. He, yeah. For me, the, the unsung hero in that game is Sevag actually. Because that was a game where no batsman looked fluent. Nobody got going except Sevag. He gave India 50 runs in 5 overs. And uh, when he got out, I think he scored 38 out of 50 or something. And, uh, you know, if you look at it in the larger context of the game, 
because this happened first, you don't necessarily correlate it to the result, but that kind of initial push, I mean, without that, India wouldn't have even got 260. I mean, uh, it's... Uh, he he Nobody batted with that kind of fluency throughout the game. Yeah, that's true. I'll probably remember that game one for Zewag, but more importantly for me, the lasting memory of that match is Munaf Patel's bowling. And Munaf Patel getting Abdul Razak's wicket Amazing. was so cathartic. I felt like, you know, I, I don't know how Razak was playing at that time, but you know, all your accumulated memories of That like cutter, no? Yeah, the leg cutter, yeah. Amazing. I, I'll, I'll never forget that. Of course, he had his uh, shirt untucked, so that could have been <laughs> of, uh, pissed off Gavaska. But, but my lasting memory of that, you know, more than Sachin, more than the DRS, more than every other image, when I just close my eyes and think about the match, I think about that dismissal of, uh, of Razak by Munaf. I think Munaf was uh, perhaps, I mean, after Zaheer, Munaf was a really important bowler for India in that World Cup. Like yeah. uh, against England, he bowls the final over in that tie. And, uh, you know, he uh, sort of lim- makes sure that, I mean, he gets England to, gets the match tied. And then he even had a couple of other spells. I mean, even in the final, he was pretty good for, yeah. uh, you know, uh, much of the final. So he was a... That was a good World Cup for him, and I'm glad that. I mean, I you often forget that he played from 2006 almost. Like he had a five-year career. I mean, it was stop-start because of injuries and various other reasons. But it was probably the last. I mean, I don't think he did much after that, right? The 2011 was his. Uh, yeah. Sort of pretty much towards the end of his career. So it was good. Good to see him win that World Cup. And Srishant was also there. Srishant also had a... Srishant, I think, got hammered around in some games, but then other games he had... No, Srishant didn't play the semi-final, no? I I don't remember Srishant playing the semi-final. Srishant played final. Yeah, yeah. Played final. Played the final. Yeah, they played Naira and... uh, Munaf, Naira and uh, Zaheer. So, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that the pace attack that India played with in this tournament. No? When they all came onto the scene, they were the next tearaway fast bowler. You know, when Zaheer came yeah. on in 2000, they were saying that he's going to be India's Akram and what, what have you, you know, yeah, because yeah, he was yeah. bowling 140 plus. The same with Munaf. So when he came on, he had a lot of pace, right? And, and the was, same with Srishan. And the, it's the yeah. same with Srishan. It's the same with Naira also. So in 2003, yeah. when Naira bowled that unbelievable spell against England. He was cranking it up. I mean, he was bowling 145, 148 and all that. In fact, against England, nuts. there was a there was a moment where the, the speed gun said 153. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe it. I think it's totally wrong. But if, if it was true, wow, that's quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I, it's, it was just really interesting that when all these guys came on, they were the next tear away, you know. Yeah. And by this 2011 World Cup, they're all bowling like these cutters and, you know, slow balls and back of the hand and knuckleball and all this stuff. And MS Dhoni actually goes on record saying, uh, and this is back when he actually used to talk cricket, you know, at presentations and uh, post-match uh, press conferences without making a mockery of things. He actually went on record and said, we don't have pace, we have deception. And that's what I use. And that he was absolutely right. And that's what all four of them did throughout the tournament. MS Dhoni also after India against South Africa in that game where India had collapsed, right? From 260 to 290 in like less than 10 overs. When he was asked, he said, you don't play for the crowd. 
you play for the nation. Hey, speaking so of he was MS not always Dhoni. talking cricket even then. <laughs> speaking of MS Dhoni, do you guys remember that uh, controversy with Ian Bell? Uh, in the next series? In, in no, no, no. In the next series is when he called him back. Oh, no, no, no. no World that, Cup. Yeah, yeah. That year is called, no? When he was so yeah. far down the wicket that LBW was uh, given not out or something because I, the... Yeah. So, DRS, there was this thing where if you are, you know, uh, two and a half meter... Two and a half line, meters the, uh. Yeah. The two and a half meter rule thing where if you're down the line, DRS was not eligible Correct. or I, it said that uh, the, the we don't have the accuracy to do this. And then Correct. the and then MS Dhoni goes complaints and then they drop that uh, thing during the World Cup and then Sangakara gets pissed off. There was this... <laughs> There was this side drama going on. I was I was reading all of this in Cricket Fund. And then prophetically, like after the World Cup, MS Dhoni and Ian Bell spark cross again. <laughs> there he's the good guy. He's making up for all that karma, bad karma by bringing him back. They thrash us nicely. Also, Ian Bell, yeah, that, will Ian Bell ever make this England... Will a batter like Ian Bell ever make this England team? Never, right? No. I mean, no. Thinking all those guys... Joe, Joe Root can't make it, man. <laughs> Joe Root is the yeah. evolution of Ian Bell's batting. It's the final evolution. He can't yeah. make it. How will Ian Bell make it? But yeah, talking... Just rounding up that uh, bowling thing that Prashant, you were talking about. I mean, we should mention Zahir, you know. I mean, this was pretty much uh, the sort of the end of his purple phase right like he had which which began around 2006-2007 when he came back into the Indian team he was dropped uh, for a while in the chapel uh, rabid years and then he came back and then for four years I mean ever since 2007 I mean the reason why and now we know it that how bowlers are so important to test teams the reason why India became number one in tests one of the reasons and you know also won this world cup was Zaheer right I mean he was so good across conditions, across formats. And uh, that ball to Michael Hussey, I think, will remain in all our memories, right? That that superbly controlled ball yeah. that gets Hussey in the quarterfinal. So, yeah, yeah brilliant, brilliant bowling by Zahir. Oh, and, and also in that period that you speak about, no, 2007 to 2011, he seemed to really enjoy bowling at left-handers. He got Hayden out a bunch of times. He got Graham Smith Graham out Smith. for fun. Yeah, you would get him out for fun. Uh and also, the only series um, in a really long time that India has won in England is largely down to Zahir Khan yes. being in peak form, absolute peak form. Yeah, that 2007 in Cambridge. And being angry at Ian Bell again, <laughs> throwing jelly beans on the <laughs> <laughs> So, Ian Bell has got a lot to do with uh, Indian cricket, man. I didn't realize. Okay, okay. And Zahir, especially after he started bowling around the weekend, my goodness, I mean, the, the towards the end of his career, his uh, the, the kind of uh, deceptiveness he brought about by by bowling both over and round and hiding the ball and getting the ball to reverse and uh, also playing a lot of ODI cricket helped him change his pace a lot. I mean, he was a handful. Yeah, one of my um, actually favorite uh, meetings with Zahir was uh, in 2006. He was dropped from the side and he was playing for Worcestershire that time uh, you know and Worcestershire was in the second division 
and uh, i was in england uh, just transit, like just stopping over for a few days and all i said okay let me just go to worcestershire and see uh, some game they were playing a game watch him bowl and then speak to him and all that and uh, you know he finished the game he finished the day's play and then he came and he was just like, we were just sitting in the stand like in the one of the two of the seats just chatting and he was so like you know introspective and he's uh, it was obvious that he was thinking about coming back to the team but he is also like far away from home and you know he's saying that you know it's very hard to find friends here and find a community of course you have your teammates who are kind to you but you know in india you know after a ranji uh, day of a ranji trophy game you basically have like five six other people who you can just go out with and have a meal or who you can just hang around with right somewhere and shoot the breeze so he was like yeah we, i sort of missed that here so one of the reasons why we come here is to get better as bowlers and all but sometimes i feel like you know we also get used to our get used to being with ourselves because we don't have too many people right so you get used to being a uh, living alone living by yourself finding space in your solitude and also it was quite uh, interesting for me to see that side of him and you know just talking to him just seeing how you grow as a person when you're so far away from home and playing and now of course i mean i guess you will have other things to do but back then it was still quite a journey for a cricketer from india to go and play in like a county there and anyway so that is that so let's get to the final the match that gives gautam gambhir the most heartburns <laughs> like every every few months he has to come and say that this was a victory for india this was a victory for the entire nation and all that just as if like uh, to prove some point Hey Gautam Gambhir you played well man you played a great innings why you're getting so bitter and salty about it i don't understand he played a great innings in both the t20 world cup final and the odi world cup final i mean poor guy gets like lost in the dhoni hagiography <laughs> everywhere so now i think he's confused whether he has to uh, go after kohli or if he has to go after dhoni he's confused because both of them are getting on his nerves i think mm. so recently he was praising dhoni for something so i was like oh okay no, so no, no, it's not just kohli it's not kohli and dhoni just like random fans in the stands also he shows middle finger <laughs> anyway uh, no, but yes, but first uh, first the most important aspect of that final no so Two tosses <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> the two toss fiasco of, uh, before the game started so yeah that was quite odd but yeah i mean anything else you guys want to talk about mahela i thought who played a fantastic knock yeah. and the chase itself yeah no but it. but actually the since we were talking about zahir just before this that opening spell that zahir bowled in the world cup final was absolutely unbelievable it was like the first spell of a test match and it's uh, Wankhede is actually a brilliant place to play cricket no there's always something in the wicket for everybody uh, there's something for good spinners something for good swing bowlers good seamers and uh, that opening burst of the first 20 overs or so where he got a couple of wickets and uh, mahela started playing and it, it actually reminded me of arvinda so much you know that kind of uh sort of elegant violence almost you know he's very attacking and it's just touch play it was so good to watch and he yeah it's he, like what you see from uh, players like uh, kusal mendes and dhananjaya these days yeah, yeah it, it's like if 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 uh, if that 90 if dhoni's knock had not happened no you would have remembered that as the innings of that world cup because it was so 
I mean, the touch was so sublime. Yeah, the thing with Mahela is that he had this, uh, you know, uh, tendency of shaping up to play a defensive shot, but then turning it into an attacking shot. Now, that's like, and, and he would do it effortlessly. Like, it would not be like, um, you know, an awkward kind of change. It would almost be like he's going for a defense, but then suddenly he's chipped the ball like over over the bowler's head for like a one bounce four or a six or something. And that is like, it's sort of, as a viewer, it's completely uh, shocking and yet amazing at the same time. It's like, wow, he's just made that last minute change of the wrist and position and he's got that away. So He was doing that in that game quite a lot, I remember. It was because it was like he wanted to, obviously he didn't want to take too many risks but at the same time, he had to also keep the board moving. The thing was that uh, until then, no, I had always pegged Sangakara as the better, better of the two because he had a better away record. You know, this was back when I was heavily biased by things like that. But they actually had a nice partnership that to steady the ship a little for Sri Lanka in this game. But you could tell that this guy on that day at least was uh, far more comfortable, far more at ease than Sangakara was. And the ball was doing a bit. Also in the in the uh, pre sort of uh, power play change sort of days, it was not e- as easy to accelerate in the middle overs. And his yeah. innings was uh, was played at a very, very good, good clip right through. And especially as Prashant mentioned, after the kind of start that Zaheer gave, I mean, they were on the back foot in terms of, run sco- in terms of scoring rate. And then they had lost wickets. To come out and score at that pace during the middle overs, and and of course he carried on towards the end of the end of the innings as well, was phenomenal. Like when I I distinctly remember this this feeling of oh my god this match is gone, yeah. and you know in my mind I had already started equating this with you know uh, the great innings by Clive Lloyd, Viv Richards, uh, Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist. In in my mind this was already in that league of a World Cup winning. You know, match winning, yeah. tournament winning, hundred. Yeah, yeah. So, at the halfway stage, it was like very much no, an Arvinda scar, no? Because in '96, that's what Arvinda did. You had a couple of yeah, big exactly. hits. Yeah, it was very much uh, that kind of deja vu. But it was no. And if you look at it, 182 in the end at the pretty much at the end of 40 overs, 182 for five becomes 274 for six at the end of 50, which means yeah. that you have scored about 90 runs in the last 10 overs, which, yeah. you know, now may seem like, what, what, what's the big deal? But back then, nine runs and over in the last 10 was still huge. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was not, and in a World Cup final, it was not something that would, that was happening like on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, so I, I also felt that, you know, I thought 250 was chaseable, but 274 suddenly became like, Oh my God, this this is going to be really tricky. I mean, even though we knew the quality of the Indian batting and we also knew that, that that Sri Lanka, you know, while they had a good bowling, it was not like they would they were always going to have uh, weak weak links in the fourth and fifth bowler. Even then, two seventy four seemed a lot at the halfway stage, and especially immediately after when Sehwag and Sachin went out, you were like, oh gosh, this this is getting this is just got even harder. No, when yeah, uh, sh- no Mahela's innings is one thing. I think uh, Kulasekara and uh, and yeah. uh, Tisara go hammer and tongs in the last ten overs. I that point only I thought okay, this match is done. <laughs> right, we can now go to prayer mode. 
and uh, pray for some miracle to happen and then sachin gets out i was like gone this match is gone i think nothing is going to happen uh, i kind of switch off i think mentally i switch off because this was a final that we are all doing as like a part of a giant get together like nobody had that confidence uh, we thought that this match is gone we should now see how if hope against hope some miracle happens and then that partnership with gambhir and kohli was actually really good dude i mean uh, they i mean they don't panic first of all they play india into a position where you can actually you know the run rate is not creeping up to 7 or something it was still at a 5 and a half 6 stage only it's not like dhoni came and you know bought down a 7 plus asking rate to 3 these guys did a fantastic job after losing tendulkar and uh, seva so that that actually gave some confidence but still i mean 270 was a bit too much in 2000 i mean in a world cup final also you know back then uh, lasith malinga was a lot actually in many ways reminded me of uh, early mid 90s wakar yunus you know he had a similar i mean far more round arm action uh, similar sort of unplayable yorker could reverse the old ball and could actually bowl out swing with the new ball and the ball he got tendulkar was an absolute beauty you know he drew him forward and got it to swing away i mean genuinely deserved that wicket i mean he was superb his opening spell was also really good to watch i know virat kohli has uh, had like so many hundreds and uh, whatever 50s chases and all but for me it's like one of my favorite kohli knocks it was just it's 35 runs but there was something about the sure composure in that knock yeah yeah and it sort of he was like he was pretty early in his international career right but then to come in two down in a world cup final yeah to bat like that there was some level of serenity in that which made you like sort of sort of made the sort of put the game back on to a rhythm right and it sort of i think that 35 will stay in my mind for a long long time i mean it was calm and and like they say right one one never got along with gilchrist or one never got along with steve war and still they had such a great partnership i mean in retrospect gambhir and kohli batting together so well in a world cup final <laughs> you're like okay there was i mean they got along in that partnership so that helps so you know i mean and yeah I, I, that was my favorite part of that chase actually i mean i know uh, dhoni batting gets i mean dhoni batting was great dhoni promoting himself all that was great but i think that middle partnership kohli and gambhir was my favorite part of that uh, innings and then of course dhoni promotes himself ahead of yuvraj dhoni who had had like a really average world cup in less than i mean not even average i think like way below average world cup as a batter and then he comes and makes a 90 so there was that and he the way he was he played murli there was a lot of that but yeah kohli and gambhir were great to watch and that final goal like i mean i remember all over the twitter like reacting to that goodness like <laughs> what confidence what my goodness such coolness like i mean now like i mean i'm a lot more cynical now than i was then but that was a cathartic release of all the accumulated insecurities of an indian cricket fan and and to to be in that moment i remember i was in a room full of people like we were like 10 guys sitting in a house and watching and at the end of the match at the end of all that i went into a room quietly and i shed a few tears 
I don't know why. I mean, I'm I'm kind of ashamed to admit it now, but I did. It was a very emotional moment for me. I felt like oh, so there's this friend of mine called Rajaram who uh, like we grew up watching all cricket together, and he was not there with me at that time. But I but, but I was thinking about him, like what it would have meant for him, and you know, like he he's the kind of guy who who will not talk to people if India lost a match. You know, like he'll just shut himself off in a room and not talk to anybody, not socialize and whatever. I like you know the, when I look back at that moment, I'm like. Like I can't recapture that. I can't be that innocent, that naive, that sort of good faith, like a partisan cricket fan anymore. I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, a part of me misses that. You know, I wish I could go back and be that. No, I think uh, that was a phenomenal innings, and that was also a time when uh, Dhoni was uh, at a at his peak as a one-day cricketer and as a limited overs cricketer. I mean, between I mean, he came in around 2006, right? But the way he was batting between 2009 and 2000 say 14 i mean that was really peak dhoni years and yeah, yeah. he could he could play any kind of bowling he could he was so fast between the wickets any conditions i mean the way he used to play murli and yeah. malinga you know two bowlers so far apart but the way he used to not only like play them out but also score off them easily i mean dhoni was ridiculous man i mean the way he used to the scoring opportunities he could create at his peak i mean i, I don't think uh, i've seen many more versatile indian batters than that when dhoni was batting like that maybe kapil uh, might have been like that at his time i didn't see kapil at his absolute no, but peak. but kapil can't score the volume of runs that dhoni scored right? i mean dhoni right. could have been a top order batsman like that's the thing right when people talk about dhoni's great finishing skills but that's not the point dhoni is a great odi batsman simple He could have been He's, a great ODI batsman. He the could have batted well. anywhere in the top seven, man. I mean, he could have, he could have, he could have opened the batting and revolutionized the ODI opening. Uh, you know, at a different, at a different stage. He, he was. That's the thing. He had everything going for him in that period. And uh, yeah, he was remarkable. The way he played Murli was awesome, and also he used to hammer spinners back then, right? Like uh, after a point of time, he stopped doing that. But he used to. He was fantastic against spin. And yeah, that I. It's sort of amazing that it ended with a six the way it did, right? I mean, it could have ended in any other way. It could have ended with a, a single. It could have ended with like you know that Ranatunga had that angled. a uh, shot to third man fourth third man it could have ended as a flick it could have ended anyway but the fact that it ended as a straight six it was quite symbolic i think i mean the fact that dhoni hits a straight six and then he does that he waits he watches it he keeps watching it till the end with his eyes and then he does that twirl the cameras then the side cameras which capture it it all comes together like so perfectly right i mean and yeah i and think the, uh, that the, seals the moment and and the irony is no sidvi is that uh, if you there is an element of almost cynical pragmatism sometimes about dhoni you know the way he talks the way he thinks about a game uh, and he's like ruthlessly pragmatic like he, even the press conference after this game he was like thank god we won otherwise you would have said why shrishant why not ashwin you know yeah. um, and yet for someone who is ruthlessly pragmatic to the point of being almost cynical there is an element of a fairy tale to so much of his story and and nothing probably more fairy tale than this to finish with a six over long on is what every kid dreams of finishing a cricket match let alone you know world cup final <laughs> in uh, in bombay so yeah 
stunning and, 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 and that flourished right i mean six is fine but like he still had the sense of timing to go for that it's not something that he did every other day right yeah. i've never seen him do it otherwise so it was almost as if he had the movie script in his mind while he was yeah. playing that yeah. piece yeah. it is like he had visualized that moment before you know and, dhoni uh, dhoni is one human being not many human beings can say that uh, there is a movie made on their life dhoni is rare that way itself but he is the one who can say that his life is you know far more dramatic and cinematic than you know the movie itself oh well said well said he, yeah. his his career is like fully cinematic moment like full marathon yeah <laughs> that's true that's true yeah and that too and i think it's it's just become more mass as the years have gone ahead right i mean also you know the whole persona that he has built about being this you know really uh, uh, sort of impassive captain and who hardly reacts to anything i mean it wasn't the case i mean 2007 world t20 if you see the highlights he's like really pumped up at the end of it and there have been moments when he's been extremely like i think that dharamshala when he hits irfan patan he's like crazy pumped up but then he went on to sort of build this i mean, I mean he, he build, came to the field to threaten an umpire come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but i think yeah you're right yeah and then of course i think a lot of uh, the team also felt you know they had sort of many of them had gotten into cricket in uh, sachin's early years and dhoni included right dhoni says how in 2003 he watched uh, the world cup final but then when sachin got out he couldn't watch it anymore he uh, kohli has spoken about how sachin has influenced him all the all the players right so i think the celebration showed that as well i mean kohli lifting sachin and making that famous statement about he carried us for 22 years so it's time we carried he him carried the and he, he carried the us. nation and then the sachin everyone basically sachin waving you know sort of giving him a lap of honor like cheering him around the field i think it sort of and and dhoni himself going into the background like he was pretty much in the end he was not the limelight right he everyone made sure sachin got the maximum limelight as possible i think there were even thoughts that he would retire on that day or the day after or something because they thought okay he'll retire on a high how wrong everyone was but uh, yeah i think uh, it sort of no, no, everyone would like to believe sachin's how wrong sachin moment. was everyone like to believe how wrong sachin was but yeah i think that was uh, sort of the everyone made it sachin's sort of moment after the uh, victory as well which which you know you may say is the you, you may agree with or disagree with but i think it also shows how much he meant to that generation of people i mean if you see i mean i think i wrote this back then you know how the average age of that uh, sort of uh, team was 28 you know you had everyone in their mid to late 20s like most people and then sachin was in one extreme and then you had raina and chawla piyush chawla and all on the other extreme but uh, you know 28 is pretty much the time between uh, two world cups right i mean 83 to 2011 if you calculate is 28 years and sort of captures the what that world cup meant because all of them none of these players would have likely seen india win 83 sachin sachin did but apart from that many of them wouldn't have seen india win 83 so i think in a way it was a that kind of special moment for them too as it was for us watching i i wish that that the organizers bcci as well as icc had factored in the possibility of india winning the tournament and kind of perhaps moved the ipl a little later or something i just think the knock on effect of this world cup followed by the ipl 
resulted in in the fatigue and the injury of so many players which resulted in india's uh, lackluster campaigns in, in england and australia and then the prolonged wait for sachin's 100th 100 uh, after that i wish a lot of things could have been changed if not for such jam packed scheduling of the longest world no, cup no and also we could have, we could we could savor the victory a bit more yeah yeah 3 yeah. days and then the ipl started and every sort of everyone's moved on to the ipl i mean you need at least like a few a couple of weeks to like actually savor it in have uh, you know back then you know the media houses could have actually you know done a bit more uh, stories on this and spoken to people and that's the time when players are also willing to talk and you know reveal all these uh, interesting nuggets and all that that could have happened but if just moved on of course ashoka will say what are you guys talking about csk's greatest ipl season or all but uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> See those are that's what my parting thoughts are like when the 2011 world cup happened and we won we cried and all that i thought this was the greatest moment now sitting in 2023 i have better context i am contextualizing 2011 world cup it's a world cup it's an icc tournament that happened between two great events that is 2010 csk winning 2011 csk winning between that we had this tournament where india also won so that is how you have to look at it and that is how i urge all sensible people to look at it. yeah it is it is the it is the cherry on the cake between two great csk seasons anyway so uh, my lasting memory of that world cup final is that uh, you know i felt really elated and joyous and again as i said like a completion of a circle but i also felt a certain level of sadness in me because even back then i knew that it is going to be impossible for another cricket world cup victory to you know have that much of a, to mean that much to me and to for me to feel as intense about and it has sort of turned out the way it is because as i said i mean india may go on to win this world the coming world cup they may go on to win multiple world cups going ahead but i think for me 2011 remains that um world cup which i will cherish the most uh, partly because of the my age at that time the intensity with which i was following it what cricket meant to be meant to me at that time and also you know now it's like i watch cricket largely you know from a different lens from a different perspective a lot of it for me is comedy and a lot of it is farce i'm like okay what are the, what, i mean i end up laughing and even if you know there is a close game that finishes uh, with india losing it's not so much heartbreak as much as it is uh, you know a bit of a chuckle i'm like oh what guys should have won this game like that so doesn't mean as much to me though i feel like you never know there could be a mo- if there could be a moment that changes it anyway thanks so much uh, for everyone joining uh hope uh, we gave you a uh, sort of an idea of how it was to watch the world cup at that time many of if if you didn't watch it uh you know that this is how we all felt at the time if you did watch it please um, share your memories and thoughts in our uh, you know for feedback on our website 81allout.com on twitter at 81allout and various other forums so yeah prashant mahesh ashoka thanks thanks a lot for joining thank you so much it's my pleasure thank you and as a reminder uh, you know you can uh, contribute uh, you know 81 all out is crowdsourced uh, you can contribute to coffee that's ko-fi.com/81allout you can just put in a one off amount in there or you can be a regular uh, you know putting in uh, money monthly 
many people have generously contributed to this and uh, we thank you for your you know support we also are in the book republishing space uh, we've put out three books uh, and uh, i'll put a link to all of them of course the book that i would like to highlight here is uh, mike marcus's war minus the shooting which was a book that we republished it's about the 1996 world cup and uh, with a new, another world cup coming i would really urge you to read about that world cup and uh, a world cup that remains a favorite for many of us um and uh, so would put a link to that too thank you so much and we'll join you in about a week or 10 days time for the next podcast india have won the series they're going to get back for two india home lords goes wild